applause to our... Yeah. We have such amazing talent here at the church, and it's a wonder, wonderful to have them lead us in worship. Well, again, my name is Aaron. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Pastor Tyler is the one on guitar leading us in some wonderful worship. And hasn't it just been a wonderful time singing along so far? It's just been great. Let's give him another round of applause. So great. Yeah. Well, as I said, my name's Aaron, and I just want to take a pause, and then we're going to get back to some of our singing, and I just want to share a very brief, and I know the people who attend here regularly say brief, that's not in your vocabulary, but it is going to be very brief. We're going to take a nice little look at Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and we're going to talk about the joy that is found in Christmas, the joy that is found only in the Lord. And as I was pondering this week, as I wrote this message, and I was thinking about what is joy? What is true joy? And joy is, as you know, different than just happiness. Joy is not just being happy, because happy can come and go with your circumstances, with pressures and pains and hurts, but joy is something deeper. Joy is something bigger and more profound than just happiness. And what I kind of boiled it down to is that joy is delighting in or taking pleasure in something that is very good. Think of it this way. We have all had those years where we buy the perfect present for someone we love, right? We, we, we put it all in. We, it's great on the money. We knock it out of the park. They open that present and they're hit with wonder and they're in amazement and they don't even have words to explain and they begin to bubble up with joy because it's just such an amazing gift. They're excited and they're rejoicing at this gift and they're delighting in something that is good something that you gave them and and we don't give gifts necessarily because that individual deserves it especially when we're talking about our kids amen parents we're, we don't really give it because it's not like okay you've done enough this year you finally deserve a gift because what gift giving is is a picture of grace and you, your kids, we should understand gifts that way. Because when we do, when we understand that fundamentally we don't actually deserve this gift, and then we give it to them, it causes us to bubble up with joy. It causes joy to come up. And we give this through grace and love, despite how crazy your kids drove you all year, especially this last week. Has any other kids tried to open presents early, or is it just my four-year-old, right? And they go crazy. And and they don't necessarily deserve it, but we give it to them because we love them. And they take pleasure and delight in these good gifts. So I want us to close out tonight by thinking about the joy that we find in Christmas, where we can find it, the only place that we can find it. And I just want to read one verse to you. It will be on the screen. And that one verse is Luke Chapter 2, verse 10, and it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is where the joy is found. Not just the joy of Christmas, but the joy of salvation for all who believe. You will find this joy only in one destination, and that is in Jesus Christ. And the first thing we see these angels say to these shepherds is that they are bringing good news. Good news. And you might be wondering, well, what's good news? 
Well, good news, if you've been a Christian for any length of time or you've hung out with us weirdos long enough, you've probably heard good news or the word gospel. And gospel means good news. And we throw that word around a lot as Christians, the gospel of this, the gospel of that. And we tend to, as believers, make little parts of the good news the ultimate thing. For example, at Christmas time, we tend to zero in and focus on and make the incarnation or God becoming man, Jesus Christ being born as the good news. But it's not the entire good news. That's just part of the good news. Think of it like a puzzle, right? You have all these pieces that comprise the good news and you have to put them all together and as you press in that last piece that's always hidden under your arm somewhere, right? And you press that in, you stand up and you look down and you can see what the picture is or in this case, what the good news is. And the good news is comprised of the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and his resurrection. But if I had to say to you, here is good news for everyone. If I were to boil it down and say to you, I have good news for you tonight that will not just change your life, but it will change your eternity because it actually defines the cosmos. It would be that the good news is that God loves sinners. God loves sinners. He loves rebellious, wicked, wayward, faithless, unfaithful people like you and me. He does. God loves sinners. And we see this theme throughout Scripture. It's not just God kind of overlooks your sin. You know, I know that kind of gets wrongly taught by a lot of people. They go, oh man, God is love. It doesn't matter what you do. He'll forgive you anyway. Just don't worry about it. You do you and God will figure it out in the end. No, God God's love, you can't talk about God's love as some nondescript, benevolent feeling that he has for things. It's not, God's love is not like you building something, like say you go to Ikea, you pick out a shelf, you fight with your wife for 30 minutes because the instructions make no sense, and you finally get the sucker together, and then you stand back, and you look at this beautiful bookshelf you just built, and you feel a sense of affection for the work you've done. That's not what God's love is. God's love is not that kind of nondescript, benevolent feeling. To say that God loves sinners, like you and me, means that he has a true and deep, abiding, eternal affection for real people who have not loved him back. And it means that he has loved us in such a way that we can see it, and we can feel it, and we can actually be transformed by it. His love is always clearly connected to the sacrifice of his son. The most famous verse in the Bible. Who can say it? John 3.16. Yeah. For God so loved the world that, uh, that he gave his only begotten son, whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Even if you're here and you're not a believer, you probably know that verse. God loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the gift That's the greatest gift. There is nothing more significant in your life that anyone could ever offer you than the gift of salvation that Christ offers to you in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. He died for your sins. He died for your failures, for your guilt, and he gives you salvation freely when you believe in him. You and I, every single one of us sitting in these chairs tonight, we have available to us abundant love. 
Look at what Romans 5, 8 says. It says, but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for sinners. And through his death, we have many spiritual blessings, the main one being the forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 1, 7 talks about our redemption being a, a, a sort of, of our, all of our crimes against God and one another being removed. In Hebrews chapter 9, it talks about this idea about we have in Christ a clean conscience. This means that God is the only one who can deal with your guilt. God is the only one who can deal with your guilt. Every religion, every philosophy either skirts this issue or they pretend like there is no answer to the issue of guilt or they try to address it in a non-helpful way. But the one thing that every human knows, every single one of you sitting in this room knows that you and I, we're guilty for something. There is something, there are certain things that we have done that are wicked, that are bad, that are immoral. Everybody, every religion, every philosophy, every worldview, whatever you want to call it, has a sense of guilt, at least somewhere. Some might feel it more than others, but it's there. And there's no answer. There's no answer for that guilt. You read, I I challenge you to read the different religions of the world. What you'll see is you'll see things like try harder, do better, or make amends. But that doesn't change what you did. It doesn't change what you did. It doesn't change what I did. What we need is we need cleansing. We need total forgiveness of our sins. Our conscience, whether they are sensitive or rather numb, our conscience bear witness to the fact that we are sinners. And what God does for us is he deals with our greatest problem, which is sin and guilt. And not just the feeling of guilt, but he deals with the fact of guilt. That we stand before God outside of Christ, condemned for what we have done. We have all done things to hurt others, We have all done things to take advantage of other people. We have all not loved how we should love. We have all fallen short somewhere. We have all not loved God above all else. We have all lied. We have all stolen. We've we've done it all. If you can imagine it, it's been done, and it's probably been done worse. And God loves you, and he loves me so much that he looks at us as the mess that we are, and he says, I love you. I'm going to send my son for you because I know you can't do it on your own. And he's going to live the life that you couldn't live. He's going to die the death that you and I should have died, and he's going to rise again and offer to you the free-of-charge gospel, the salvation that's only found in Jesus. You see, this is the part of the the good news that shows us that there's a point, there's a calling, a purpose, a solution to the root problem of humanity to the root problem, which is our corruption and our guilt. Not just as we stand alone, but as we stand before the face of God. This is good news. This is good news of great joy that that those angels were talking about. The good news of great joy to all people. Those who know Jesus can have great joy, exploding joy, not near religious sentiment, not just some cool vibes you get when the music crescendos and you get all those goose pimples all over you or whatever you call it, chicken skin. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm from Ontario, blame it on that. Right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real, deep, abiding joy. To, that, that, to take uh, delight in something else that is good, that is so good that we have received freely and that we do not deserve. Great joy, not little joy. A lot of us Christians were like Eeyore, like, oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Woohoo. No, great joy. 
We're talking about deep satisfaction in God that, 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 all, that meets all of our needs and transcends all of our circumstances. This joy fills you in the midst of all of your negative and positive circumstances because the joy that is only found in God is the one thing that nothing can take from you. Not your circumstances, the world, the devil, the people in your life, your family that you have to sit with tomorrow, the next time you go see the doctor, whatever they might tell you, nothing can steal that joy from you because it's not rooted in your circumstances. It's rooted in God. And God is unchanging. So it says, Jesus is born. The angels say this is good news of great joy for all people, for everyone. It's wide open. This is good news that we should all rejoice in. And for all who are willing to believe it and receive it, well, the apostle John tells us that if we are willing to believe and receive, he will give us the right to become children of God by just believing that we would be born of the Spirit, born of power, This is good news for you and for me tonight. This is good news for everyone, from the moral to the immoral, to the well-to-do, to to the down and out, for the people whose lives are coming together just as they've planned. I know it's so annoying. And to the people whose lives are falling apart everywhere, and it just seems like chaos. It's for the people who think they're worth nothing and only deserve the, 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 the things they experience. And it's for the people who are thankful for everything in their lives. It's for people who have not believed in God, who have not put him first. It's open to everyone to the religious and to the irreligious. It's offered to everyone, but the only caveat is this, that you must look to Jesus and see him as the answer to life. All other people who claim to be saviors will fail you. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the only one way to the Father, and that is through me, nowhere else. There might be lots of paths to Jesus, but there's only one path to God. And him is the only means by which your sins, your guilt, everything can be taken away. That your conscience can be set free and you can be truly cleansed and live at peace. This is what those angels were saying to those shepherds. Right? And those shepherds, they were filled with fear. Who wouldn't? If an angel popped up behind me right now, I guarantee all you'd be hitting the ground and running. It'd be scary. And he says, don't be afraid. Because what's happening tonight is something that's good, something that's amazing, and it's good news to all mankind, including you, these lowly shepherds. Christmas is to be a time that is filled with real significant joy, not because it falls in December, not because it's a holiday that's nationally recognized, but because it's one more opportunity for you and I to turn our eyes to Jesus and to draw near to him. In other words, every day should be a day that's filled with this kind of joy, this eternal and lasting joy. It's joy for all people, not just for individuals. You can't really experience the joy of the Lord if you're just kind of out there on your own being a lone ranger. You find it best and in its abundance among other believers who have embraced Christ as Savior. So as we close now, as the worship team comes, and we close with some songs, and then we light a candle, let us remember and spend time tomorrow in all the gift-giving and all the eating and all the celebrating. May we remind ourselves that we were given the greatest gift that could ever be given. Nobody could offer you something greater than this. And you will never receive something. Nothing will hold a match to the gift 
that God has given to you in his son. That his son, Jesus, lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you should have died, and now offers you in his resurrection the freedom to come to him and to live eternal and to find true and lasting hope. Amen? He has given you freedom from death and from hell and to have life with him. And then not just life, but life abundant. As you stand, I'm going to pray for you as the worship team continues. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this joy that is only found in you. Father, I pray that in all the gifts and all the eating and all the celebrating and all the awkward conversations tomorrow with family we haven't seen for many years, Lord, may we remember that you are a good, good God and that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son that, we, that he might die for us, that we might live, that he might become sin so that we might be made righteous. Oh, Lord, I pray that that's a reality for all of us who stand in this room tonight. Father, be with, be with us as we sing tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.